Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola Shokumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. The Clever Girls Know podcast is a podcast for women, offering a space for conversations around personal finance, business, life, and living. I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast, and you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes. And if you love what you listen to, head on over to iTunes and leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. I'd also love for you to stop by clevergirlfinance.com. We have new content on the blog multiple times a week. We have over 30 plus free courses. Plus, when you sign up for a course, you can talk to a Clever Girl Finance mentor for free to get encouragement, motivation, or if you just want to have an open, no shame, no judgment girl talk. Finally, check out our YouTube channel. Just search Clever Girl Finance on YouTube. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Hi, Esther. Hi, Bola. How are you? I am doing great. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Happy New Year. Same to you. It's middle of January, but it's still a new year. Excited about the what is to come in 2023. So thank you for joining me. <laughs> thank you for having me. It's always fun doing these podcast episodes with you. Yes, and we're going to be continuing our theme from the prior podcast episodes that we have recorded on choosing to prosper. And today we're going to be talking specifically about choosing to prosper with your finances. For those of you who are listening to the podcast for the first time, or if you are a regular listener, this choosing to prosper theme is based on my most recent book called Choosing to Prosper, Triumphing Over Adversity, Breaking Out of Comfort Zones, Achieving Your Life and Money Dreams. And basically what we decided to do is take different themes from the book and just talk about it as we all all make decisions and are being intentional about doing well in our overall lives. So today we're going to talk about finances and I would definitely love for you to pick up a copy of this book. You can find it everywhere books are sold. It's available as an ebook, an audiobook, as a physical book as well. And you can also ask your local library to order it for you as well. Esther, let's dive in with this topic on choosing to prosper with your finances, which is basically a really great topic given that we are still in the new year, right? Yeah, definitely. It's a great topic because a lot of people are going to be having a new start or working on their goals. So I'm excited to go over this today. Before we get started, Bola, it would be good for us to define what choosing to prosper financially means. I'm going to be honest, I never really came across that phase until your book. So it wasn't until I, yeah, choosing to prosper. And I was like, yes, that makes sense. It's a choice that we can make and we can choose to prosper in different areas of our lives. But yeah, choosing to prosper financially. So what does it mean to you? So the whole book really is focusing on intentionality, right? Intentionality, setting goals and taking action to achieve certain results. And so by choosing to prosper with your finances, it is essentially you being intentional about achieving the financial goals that you have for yourself. This is you making that active choice, which is choosing to prosper in this particular department of your life, which in this instance is your finances, right? So it could be wanting to save a certain amount of money, wanting to pay off debt, wanting to achieve specific financial goals, saving goals, investment goals, 
goals, retirement goals, whatever, generational wealth building goals, whatever it is, it's about you being intentional to take the action to achieve those financial goals that you have set for yourself. Because at the end of the day, this is a choice that we have, right? Even if you're earning a low income, even if you're not employed right now, you making the active choice that you want to do well with your money is a catalyst of of change and of action. Because when that money comes in, when you do get that job, when you start to earn money from your businesses, from your side hustle, when you get that pay raise, you have set your mind up saying that, you know what, this money has come in. I'm not just going to let it slip through my fingers. I'm going to be intentional about repurposing this cash towards the goals I am trying to achieve. So that's what it means. Yeah. I love the way that you've broken it down. And I think for me, it means exactly the same thing. I think I would take it a step further in saying that despite any obstacles or challenges that you face, still choosing to prosper. Sometimes we make the choice and we start off being intentional and we're making active choices, we're working on our goals, we're paying off the debt, and then challenges happen, setback happens, and a lot of people will give up. But I think in us choosing to prosper in our finances, we are being intentional and continuing on the journey no matter what happens, that we're working on our goals until we get to the end point. Agreed, yes. Now that we've defined what choosing to prosper means for us, and it could mean something different for you, and I think it's important in this conversation to really stop and think about what does choosing to prosper mean to you, because it will look different for each person. So what I wanted us to talk about was um, why is goal setting crucial to creating our financial path or our path to success? Yeah, so quick sidebar, if you haven't already tuned into our annual goal setting session, we did one on YouTube. You can find it at youtube.com slash cleverbrofinance. It was myself, Esther and Yasmin, and we basically sat down for an hour and a half and talked through goal setting for 2023. But to answer your question, Esther, uh, goal setting when it comes to choosing to prosper and just being successful with your finance finances is so important because it's you laying out your plan. It's you laying out your blueprint because it's one thing to say, oh, I want to save $100,000. I want to save $10,000. I want to save a million dollars. And it's another thing for you to actually lay out the plan and the actionable steps that you're going to take to get you to those words that you said. So goal setting is essentially you laying out your plan, laying out your blueprint, having a focus point that goes beyond you just saying, this is what I want to do, right? Because a lot of times people say things, but because there's no plan behind it, there's no action behind it. It just becomes words that just fade away and time passes and they have accomplished nothing because there was no action. There was no goal behind it. So when mm. you think about your finances and this applies to your overall life period, your career, your relationships, whatever it might be. But when you think about your finances, if you have a goal of saving, of becoming debt-free, of investing, of changing your financial habits, habits of curbing your impulse spending or your overspending of whatever it is you're trying to do better with or do more with with your finances you mm -hmm. need to have goals that you focus on that you can track that you can check in with that you can adjust as needed but you need to have this uh this tracking process this guide this blueprint to help you get to that ultimate end point you're trying to reach well, me personally, I never used to write down my goals. I think it wasn't until I started my financial journey that I 
actually took the time out to get it out of my head and actually put pen to paper. And I found that once I did that, I was able to hold myself accountable. When we just have our goals in our head, it can easily get lost. Other things can take over and there's no real account. But when you write it down, then you're being more intentional about the goal that you're setting. And I think Goal setting is really important and it's one of the crucial aspects of any financial planning where you're able to plan ahead and know where exactly am I going to. On this journey to financial freedom, where is that taking me? What does it look like? And really clearly defining that, what it will look like, how much is the debt that I want to pay off? How much do I want to save? How much do I want to invest in the next year or in the next six months? And once you know what that destination is, And then you kind of think about, okay, how is it going to make me feel when I get there? Because for me, all of this is part of goal setting. And I think all those things combined, it just really helps you on that journey to achieving that goal. So because you've clearly defined it, you can now plan out the steps that you're going to take to get to your destination. Yes, I definitely agree with you. It's you have to have that intentionality around you. You have to say, this is what I want to achieve. And then how do you break it down? So there's also a video on the YouTube channel from, I think, a a couple of weeks ago where I talk about mini goals, right? So sometimes when you set a goal, we're talking about how goal setting is crucial, but like sometimes you might set a goal, you're like, oh my God, this goal is just too big. This goal is ridiculous. And the goal you have for yourself, because you haven't quite wrapped your mind around it, because you haven't quite built the confidence around the goal, maybe, or maybe because you haven't quite started making progress to see how you can accomplish the goal, you may start to tell yourself, wow, this is ridiculous. This is just too big for me. There's no point. And sometimes goal setting can have the counter effect where instead of empowering you, it demotivates you, right? Because you're like, wow, I have this big, massive goal. There is no way I can ever do it. And then you throw the goals to the side and that is that. Mm -hmm. But when you take that big goal and you break it down into smaller chunks, right? So let's say your goal is 24 months out, it's two years away, right? Two years seems like a long time. The goal might seem like a big goal, but if you take that goal and break it down into 24 monthly actions you need to take, all you're doing is focusing on the action for that, for each month as it comes up. And before Mm. you know it, you're six months in, you're 12 months in, and you've made progress halfway towards your goal, right? Breaking it down into smaller chunks, whether it's a savings goal, a debt payoff goal, dividing it by number of weeks, dividing it by number of months, right? Let's say you have $50,000 in debt to pay off, as opposed to focusing on $50,000, right? You tell us, okay, I want to pay off this $50,000 in 24 months, right? And then instead of looking at $50,000, In two years, you're now looking at $2,000 a month over 24 months. I think I got that. So that's a smaller focus that you have. And again, this is just a random example. You're focusing on this smaller thing that seems more attainable. It might be easier for you to come up with $2,000 a month versus figuring out where am I going to get 50K? Mm. So having those small goals makes your goals seem more attainable and leads you to your bigger goal, but at the same time will keep you motivated and excited to keep going because you know that what you're trying to achieve is attainable. So if you're somebody that big goals intimidate you or you are afraid to set big goals, I encourage and challenge you to go ahead and say set those big goals because you want to dream big because you have it within you to accomplish big things, but then take that big goal and break it down into mini goals, right? so that you don't intimidate yourself, you don't scare yourself out of pursuing your goals. Yeah, Bola, that's so important. I think a lot of people overlook breaking the goals and having mini goals because to be honest, personal finance management can be overwhelming. 
it's not the easiest thing to do. Sometimes it's much easier to just not set the goal, to just mismanage our finances Mm -hmm. because it can be overwhelming and because it can be stressful to deal with, especially if you're getting started on your journey. By you having these mini goals, it just really breaks it down. And you're only looking at the next step that you have to take as opposed to looking at the entire journey. So I think, yeah, it's really important to have the mini goals. I was actually reading the blog the other day as well. I have big goals for this year, 2023. Thinking about my big goal, I was overwhelmed. I started to have thoughts of, I'm not going to be able to achieve this. This goal is way too big. And then I read the blog and I was like, no, you just break it down, break it down into chunks. What are you going to do this month? What are you going to do this week? What are you going to do today? So thank you for mentioning that. I think it would be great for us to share some significant goals that we've set that have had a positive effect on our overall finances. Mm -hmm. Yes, I would say that. I'll share... I guess one big goal or one main goal I would say that has had a positive effect on my overall finances and personal and business has been being intentional about saving money. And I'll get more specific. So with Clever Girl Finance, one of the things that, especially in the early days of the business I struggled with was being able to save. It's hard to save money when you're not making a lot of money. That's just what it is, right? (laughs) So when people talk about earning low income and salary, the first couple of years, there was low income in business. (laughs) There was Mm. no profit. There was very little revenue. So how do you save? And so I was very intentional that, okay, no matter what, I will save 10% of whatever business revenue comes in. Mm. Even if I pay myself a salary, even if I don't pay myself a salary, let's just set a goal to save 10%. And that's something that I stuck to and... In terms of the overall finances for the business, it was something that eventually really paid off because even as the business started to earn money, I stuck with that 10% as a minimum savings threshold. So there's never any money that came into the business that did not get put aside at least 10%. Mm -hmm. During the pandemic, when everything was basically going to blazes and nobody knew what was going on and all of the revenue generation stopped and we made our courses free because that money had been put aside and had been consistently been saved. I didn't have to say, you know what? I didn't have to tell a single person, you know what? I can no longer pay you because of a pandemic. It was, yes, I can pay you. And then we'll figure out how we make money in different avenues as we figure out what's happening in the world, or maybe there's no more business because the world is ending (laughs) in 2020. So that was something that definitely had a positive effect. And you may be thinking, how did it affect your business finances if you had to spend money? I got to keep the amazing team, you, Yasmer, everybody on board. And then we got to figure out other ideas to generate revenue, which in turn helped us to make even more money and allowed us to save even more money, right? So that has definitely had a positive effect saving. And then in my personal life, again, it's just being intentional about saving, again, a minimum of 10% of what I'm earning and also being intentional about figuring out how to save how to leverage savings in retirement, right? So a lot of business owners are like, well, I'm, I can only save in a savings account. But I was very intentional about figuring out how does a SEP IRA work? How, what is a solo 401k? What are the different vehicles that an individual who is running a business can still use to save for retirement for themselves? And I figured out with my by talking to my accountant, 
what I would qualify for, what I would qualify for as a business owner. And I was able to save or commit to saving more money that way beyond just putting money in a savings account, right? So that Mm -hmm. intentionality around savings where I didn't, I no longer had to say, oh, I don't work nine to five. So I can't save, I can't reap the benefits of having a retirement savings plan. And what I learned that, what I learned, and we have an article in Clever Girl Finance about saving for retirement as a small business owner, is that the because the economy relies on small business so much in the US, the government actually offers bigger incentives to small business owners when it comes to saving for retirement, which means that depending on the plan that you qualify for, you can actually save much more than your average 401k or your standard 401k max, which I think this year is like 20,500. You can save much more than that because the government incentivizes and allows you to do that with specific retirement plans. So if I had not been intentional about wanting to save, I would never have known that information. And I would be stuck telling myself, well, you know what? There's no tax benefits for me when it comes to saving personally as a business owner. And then I, all I can do is put money in my savings accounts and that is it. Yeah. So saving, I would say has been a significant setting savings goals and researching has been a significant, has had a significant positive effect overall. <laughs> yeah. Now that that's a good one. Cause I often get people, especially when they're learning about investing and they're like, Oh, but I don't know what to invest in. So there's no point in me saving. But then it's no, we'll save anyway. Like saving should be a continuous goal that we have. Even after we've built our emergency fund, there are always something that we need to spend money on. Big ticket items that come across that you want to have the money there. Or when the opportunity comes or when an emergency comes or the need comes, at least you have the money there. I have never regretted not having savings when I've had to use it. (laughs) I don't think anybody has regretted having money in the bag. So it's like when it's not there. And I think for me, that's one of my fears is just not having savings. The minute I see my savings starting to diminish and go down, I start to panic because I remember when I needed to use that money, it was there for me to use it. So thanks for sharing that. So mine would really be two things as well. The decision to make financial management a lifestyle for me, mm-hmm. I think was one of the significant goals and it's had a major impact on everything that I've done in my finances. I think when it comes to personal finance, some people see it as a phase and some people will go cold turkey and they'll jump into it and be like, oh, I just want to get rid of this debt and I'm just not going to spend for 30 days or two months until I clear it. They're not really dealing with the root cause of why they got into debt in the first place. So then what happens after a month or two, they get back in in it again or they don't spend for the month of January, right? They go cold turkey, they do a no spend, but then January comes and then they spend for the rest of the year. So for me, just deciding to make financial management a lifestyle where this isn't just about me paying off my debt. This isn't just about me saving a certain amount. This is how I want to live my life. I want to make good money choices. I don't want to look back and have money regrets. I don't want my kids to look at me in the future and be like, mom, you could have done better. So for me, it's just deciding to make it a lifestyle. And because I've made that decision, I find it easy to do financial management. Whereas before, I think I was going cold turkey. It was just phases that I was going through. I find it a lot less stress. I'm more motivated to show up for myself. And the second one would be becoming debt free. So I almost got evicted from the house I was renting three times 
Can you imagine? Three times I almost got an eviction notice because I wasn't paying my rent. And it wasn't that I didn't have the money, Bola. It was just I grew finding other things to do than pay rent. Yeah, I (laughs) had listen, I had exactly I had other things that I could spend my money on than to pay this land. And as well, growing up, like I saw my parents get eviction letters, but then nothing happened. So I never saw the repercussion of it. And to me, money was to be spent on things that I wanted. And not that I didn't have money to pay my bills, but I just wouldn't pay them. And so I Almost got evicted three times. And I remember the third time it happened, I got this strong conviction that if I didn't get myself together, I would be on the streets. And I've been homeless before, so I know what it feels like. And I knew that if I didn't get myself together, that I would be homeless on the streets. And that was my turning point. That was when I came across Clever Girl Finance and I signed up to what was back then the accountability program. And that's where my life changed. So becoming debt-free and being able to buy my house. So because I almost got evicted three times, I didn't want to be a homeowner with debt. I did not. So the longer I took to become debt-free, the longer it was going to take me to be a homeowner. And so once I achieved that goal, it was such a big relief. And for me, it's like my milestone to show me that actually, Esther, you have the discipline you have the motivation and you have the skill set to become wealthy and to build wealth. Yeah. Yeah. It's I think like you said, it's you have to be intentional, right? You have to like you you hear sometimes you people hear these stories about people who saved or for example, you change your financial habits, you embrace financial wellness as a lifestyle, and you're like, it has to be easy for that person. But I think it's less about it being easy and more about this person, that individual deciding that, you know what, I need to do something different to change my life. And for you, it was embracing financial wellness because of your experience and your fear, right? You didn't want to be homeless. And I think that's something that people need to, you know, when you hear us talking about what has been a significant goal that has helped us. And you hear me talking about saving and investing. I hear Esther talking about embracing financial wellness. It's not because it was easy. It's because there was an intentionality about it, right? Mm-hmm. I and mean, I choose to save. My biggest fear in my life is being broke, is not having any money, is like thinking back to my mom's friends who were there with suitcases in their house, nowhere to go because their husband is beating them or they lost their partner and people, their family is coming in and taking over everything and they have zero. That that made me incredibly afraid as a child because when you're a little child and you see something tragic happens in your mm. head, bigger than it really is. So that has always been a fear. When you're hearing about these things, I'll just say again, there is an intentionality about it. And it's important for you to find what is your own intentionality so that you can start to pursue your own goals so they can have a significant and positive effect on your own finances as well. That's right. And I guess we we can't talk about the significant goals that have had a positive impact without talking about the challenges, because there are challenges. And I think we've mentioned some of them. But what were some of your financial challenges that you overcame in order to achieve your goals? I think for the business early on, not making any money, that is certainly a financial challenge. And thank God you overcame that because I wouldn't be be here today. It would be like getting, I don't know, maybe you get like a $10, let me think of the lowest affiliate check I ever got. And we don't do affiliate (laughs) links at Clever Girl Finance anymore. But at the beginning when you're testing things out, maybe I got an affiliate check for $11. I'm going to, I'm going to save $1.1. That was my 10%. And you know, Mm. when you hear me saying 10%, you're like, wow, dollars are being saved. In the beginning, 10% was like, okay, $5. (laughs) 
Because <laughs> the first year of Clever Girl Finance, I said it before, I made $200, right? The whole year. And I think I even rounded that up. <laughs> 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 so, so a big challenge is just not making any money, but not giving up and still sticking to my guns. I said I was saving 10%. I'm going to save 10%. Personally, I think it's just challenges are just, I think what most people go through. I can be very emotional. Sometimes I'm going to say I've gone through that season of my life where I'm going to save and save as much money as I can. And then I've gone through that season of my life where I'm a bit relaxed. And then I go through seasons where I'm more of an emotional spender and then I'm a spender, then I'm a saver, then I'm a spender. So it's dealing with those phases of, okay, am I managing my money the right way in order to achieve these big goals I have set for myself? Right. And just staying on track. And I think that's something that a lot of human beings just have to deal with as well as they navigate through their finances, especially the last couple of years, because honestly, I found that because of the pandemic, it created a lot of just mental burden for me. Yeah. Yeah. That you, in a way you start to think if the world's ending, what is the point? (laughs) (laughs) Like, YOLO. The other voices in my head is like, girl, there's a point because guess what? We're going to get past this. There's a mm-hmm. vaccine now. There's this now. Stop this misbehaving. <laughs> so it's just balancing that emotional aspect of spending money and bringing, oh, continuously bringing my goals to the forefront, right? Because when you set your goals, it's not a one and done. So for me, the challenge is just especially when I get in my emotions about, mm. you know, what, when I was getting my emotions back then, about what was happening in the world, bringing my goals to the front, front, bringing forefront, bringing my why to the forefront, bringing my intentions to the forefront, thinking about the legacy I want to leave for my kids. Right. And sometimes it's not, it's not, I'm spending thousands of dollars. It could be like a grocery store decision that's costing mm. like, you know, I'm just going to buy 10 of these things, but why do I need 10? Well, you can take that rest of the money and put it in your stock account. You can put that money towards something else towards your savings. Because at the end of the day, I have no shame in saving small, tiny amounts of money and can save big, massive amounts of money. But I start from somewhere, right? I can save a dollar. I can save $500. I can save $5,000. I can save 50 cents, right? I don't have a, there's no, what's the, there's a saying, there's no low level to how much I can save. Because some people are like, if I only have a dollar, I'm not going to save. There's no point. I will save my 50 cents. So it's just getting past, for me was personally, we're just getting past the emotions of finances, especially during the difficult years of just be entering the pandemic, navigating through the pandemic, specifically in 2020, 2021. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a common challenge with saving, but it's building the habit. Once you've built the habit, then you become a better saver. And where people struggle with, oh, I need to save, just build the habit where no matter what income you're getting, you're saving. And Bola, you even gave me like a new tip because I have my saving goals. And initially it was a specific amount that I wanted to save every month, right? And obviously December, it's like, whether you want to spend or not, you're just going to spend. And I'm sure they increased the prices in the supermarket, like for the whole month of December, because my food shopping, everything that I would normally spend money on was just so much more. And one thing you said to me was don't get demotivated because you're not able to meet that amount. Set yourself a minimum savings percentage where every paycheck you're saving this particular percentage as opposed to being stuck on the numbers. And I'm telling you, that set me free so much because it was like, actually, it's not, I don't have to meet this particular amount every month. 
if I'm just working towards a percentage, it means I'm still saving. And for me, it's more building the habit of saving as opposed to just being stuck on the amount. So thank you for calling me out and giving me that tip. I leverage that tip myself because when I was working in corporate America and I was, I had a six figure job, right? So every paycheck I was saving, every time I got paid, I was saving in addition to my 401k, 1500 to $2,000 a paycheck. I just, I knew the number, like I'm going to save $2,000 every single paycheck. And then you quit your job and you start your own business and then you make $20. There's no way to save $2,000. So it's okay. Wait, what are you going to do? How do you not depress yourself? Because again, I come from the, even though sometimes I can be a spender, my, the, my core fundamental being about money is being a saver. Like I am a spender knowing I have saved. So once I have met my savings goal for the month, the rest of the money, I'm going to spend it. That's what make, that's the spender in me. But if I haven't saved, I, sh- I I can't spend. So that's like how I, when I say I'm a spender, that's what I mean. And mm. so for me, in order to get past that guilt of spending, I had to figure out, okay, how can I save something? Mm. Don't feel guilty when I'm spending money, the little that I do have. Right. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to save a percentage because I have a fluctuating income with the business, with being able to pay myself a salary. So what can I do? I can save 10%. I can save 20%. I can save 15%. Let me do that. I know that I have saved something so that the rest I have left over when I spend it, I don't carry that guilt. And I think you are feeling guilty about not meeting this number. (laughs) Yeah, I was, I was, I was beating myself up big time. But your income was also fluctuating, right? So if you're struggling with that, if you're caught up in that space of, I must save this amount every week, every month, but your income is fluctuating, give yourself grace and switch to percentage, right? And then when you get back to that stabilized income, okay, every two weeks, you're going to get this paycheck. Every month, you're going to get this paycheck. Then you can Mm. go back to that number, right? And the great thing about saving percentage-wise with the fluctuating income is that when you are making high income, when you have high income months, you will save a lot more. Yeah. So it helps to balance out. Yeah. Thank you so much for that tip. I have implemented (laughs) it and we are good to go. So for me, some of my financial challenges, and I've had many, but I think just on the topic of like money personalities, I'm naturally a spender. And I didn't know for many years until I started my financial journey that I was an emotional spender. So there were two kind of trigger points for my spending. Blame the pandemic. Oh my God, the world is ending. Spend, <laughs> spend your money. It's now or never. People were saving in 2020. I was like, spend, buy the lounge pants. <laughs> buy the buy- ice cream. By the home plan. Eat all the calories. The world is going to end anyway. (laughs) Who cares? Oh my goodness. Buy buy all of aisle seven. Buy all of it. (laughs) But what is in aisle seven? I don't know. (laughs) Trash. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Waste of money is in aisle seven. Oh my goodness. And so I was very much an emotional spender. That was my trigger. And also just pleasing people, right? Just pleasing people. And it wasn't even that there was a demand on me to please. I just had this innate thing that I wanted to solve everybody's problems. And I wanted to just give despite of my rent not being paid and things like that. So those were like the two challenges that I overcame, being an emotional spender, And that really started off again with my Clever Girl finance journey, where I realized that when I was stressed, I would spend. And that one day I journaled it out and I realized that 
me spending was my way of some somewhat trying to take control of the situation. It was my way of indirectly saying that I have control, even though maybe something in my life was happening that I didn't have control. I wanted to prove that I had control. And the only way that I knew how to do that was spend money. Even if it was money that was for my rent or money for my bills, I would literally just go to the um, shopping mall and spend two, three hundred pounds on nonsense. And then I realized that, okay, do I have to spend two, three hundred pounds? So I challenged myself and I said, okay, Esther, look, just have a hundred pound in an account. And when you feel stressed, you can just go and blow this hundred pound. And then after two months, I reduced it to 50. And now, Bola, I literally just have five pounds. I always have five pounds in my wallet. And if I feel like an emotional trigger, I just use that five pound and I Usually it's stationaries because I realized that I just (laughs) I just needed something to just in that moment make me feel that I was in control. And I realized it didn't have to be 300 pounds on nonsense. I could literally just go and buy a smoothie. I could go to the stationery shop and get a new journal. The minute I overcame that emotional spending, I was able to get to the root cause of why I was getting into debt, why I wasn't paying my bills and whatnot. And also just me saying no, just saying no to people, not even saying no to them. Because like I said, it wasn't even that I was inundated with requests or it was just, if you told me you had a problem, I just felt the need that I had to solve it. And I remember one time, like God just saying, I didn't call you. Like that is none of your business. So the minute I realized I am not everybody's savior and I didn't have to solve everybody's problem, I was able to take control of my finances. I was able to pay my bills on time, not be late, pay off my debt, start saving. So I would say those two things, um, yeah, those two challenges that I overcame has really helped me. And this is work that I had to do three years ago. So just goes to show that when you do your work, in whatever area that you're facing challenges, it's not just for that moment or that season. This is something that will go on to help you years to come. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. So the challenges are inevitable, but then you figure out how to, how do you work past them? How do you leverage them? Because it doesn't matter what goals you set, you're still going to be challenged, whether it's emotional spending, whether it is other people, you spending your money, whether it's surprise bills, whether it's not earning enough, but what can you do to just continue to make progress, right? Even when Mm. you set goals and you have to readjust your goals or things are not aligning, how do you just keep going? You may have to slow down to speed up later, but even in the slowdown, um, how do you keep going? That's just something you want to keep in, in, in the back of your mind. Like I said, even when I'm a spender, I'm saving. So mm-hmm. even during my emotional spending times, I know that, okay, I've automated certain savings so that at the very least I am saving my, my core baseline, right? I could be saving more instead of spending emotionally, but at the very least, because I get racked up in guilt if I cannot save, but then I'm spending money, even if I'm spending money on essentials, I get racked up in so much guilt about it. And so that's something that I've had to navigate. Yeah, that's interesting because my husband has that personality. If it was down to John, we wouldn't pay bills, not because he doesn't have the money, but because he wants to save. <laughs> so I have to be like, excuse me, we've got bills to pay. Like he does, even his fun pot money, he will always have leftover fun pot money. My I fun know, pot that's money. That's a terrible is... habit. Yeah, I don't want I don't want to be that person because you need to live a little, right? Yeah. But yeah, that's it's just it's a fair, it's a fair-based ideology. <laughs> 
but we work through it. We move. <laughs> exactly. And I think this is where we have to understand our money personalities and work around it. There's no wrong way of being, being a spender, being a saver, being an avoider, all the different money personalities. Not that they're wrong in itself. It's just understanding how you are built and then just working around that. Yeah. So we've talked about different seasons and we've mentioned that this financial wellness journey, it's a way of life. And so if we're saying that it's a way of life, then it means that it's going to be a lifetime thing. It's something that we're always going to be working on. But we do have to appreciate that there are different seasons in our lives. How have you or how can women choose to prosper financially in every season of their life? I think it's being intentional and reminding yourself of your why and putting things in place that no matter what you go through, you're still going to work on achieving your goals. It could be automation, automating savings. It could be writing things down and get, putting reminders to review what you've written down. You just want to maintain that intentionality, right? When you are choosing to prosper, again, the word choosing is an active word. And I remember having this conversation with my publisher because they they felt the book should be called Choose to Prosper. And I was like, you choose once, vanilla or strawberry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But choosing is a constant active word, which means that it's something that's ongoing, which means in order to actively be choosing to prosper, you have to actively be taking action, actively be intentional, actively be reviewing. And when it comes to finances, improvements in life, it's something that you have to continuously exercise. It's not one and done forever, right? You don't save $100 and you're a billionaire in 10 years because you saved $100. It's ongoing. You continue to save, you continue to invest, you continue to spend mindfully, you continue to budget, you continue to give back. It's an ongoing, you continue to build that muscle and maintain it, right? You have to be in intentional and you have to continue making those active choices and remind yourself my phone is full of reminders of things that I want of things that I need to do I should be doing I need to review just so I stay on top of my financial prosperity I love that for me what has helped me has been just knowing that no season is permanent so whatever phase that I'm in in that moment, like it's not permanent. So I had 18,000 pound of debt that I was paying and oh my goodness, it just seemed like a lot. There was a point where I thought I would never be debt free. You're making the payments and you're doing your best and you're trying to stretch your money, you're paying bills and all that stuff. And midway of our journey, like my husband was made redundant, there were a lot of challenges. And so what kept me going was knowing that, okay, this isn't permanent. Yes, it seems like all I'm doing is paying off debt. But once the debt is over, I get to move on to my next goal. So just knowing that whatever season you're in, it's not permanent. Just do the work that you need to do in that season. Stay focused. Be clear about what you're trying to achieve for that season so that you can continue to make progress in your finances. It's easy to like lose motivation to get discouraged. But like I said, because this is a lifestyle that you're committing to, you already know that there's going to be setbacks, there's going to be challenges, right? But it's not giving up because of that. And just knowing that, okay, this too will pass. And by the time you know it, you're going to pay that debt off, whether it's six months, one year, two years, three years, the debt is going to be paid, you're going to achieve that saving goal, you're going to have that amount of money that you want in your investment account. No season is permanent. Yeah. Yeah. So it's also that mindset shift as well. Thank you, Esther, for participating in this conversation and sharing and for the great questions. I hope Yay. that we are able to inspire you and motivate you to just 
take a good hard look at the goals you've set for the year, revise them if necessary, and then be intentional about choosing to prosper with your finances. And then definitely check out our goal setting session we did for 2023. It's available on our YouTube channel. It's just go to youtube.com slash cleverwellfinance and pick up a copy of Choosing to Prosper, the book available everywhere books are sold. And you can also check out the other three books in the Clever Girl Finance book series on foundational finance, investing, and side hustles. And that will all be linked in the show notes as well. We'll also put a link to the goal setting session in the show notes as well. Esther, do you want to add anything? (laughs) No, nothing else to add. Just that I hope that every listener is choosing to prosper on their own terms because we all deserve financial freedom. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode and I hope you enjoyed it. If you've loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and 